You are interested in the unknown, the mysterious, the unexplainable. That is why you are here. We are gathered here as advisors, as scientists. The kind of place we expect a ghost to like to wander. Hey, we all know where we're going to die, baby. I'll help you. I'm something of a witch. Welcome to Mission Spooky. I'm your fantastic host, JC. With me today is Kiki. And Cord, how are you guys doing today? We always have this problem. <laughs> <laughs> I love introducing you both at the same time. That way you don't know who's going to talk first. <laughs> well, I, I usually go by the uh, ladies first rule. Oh, that's so sweet. I was thinking everybody wanted to hear your awesome voice with that brand new wonderful microphone that, that you bought. Yes. He's so smooth. I'll never speak again. What? Why? We love your voice. <laughs> yeah, it's so much, sm- so much smoother now. It's like butter. Butter. I'm fine. I'm tired. Today we're recording this. Um, it is Guy Fox Day. <gasps> remember, remember the fifth November. Good I... day for a revolution, America. Just saying. It's pretty crazy that I forgot. <laughs> I posted a whole bunch of. By Fox crap. Also, a whole bunch of like gritty stuff. Because why not? I feel like gritty is like the mascot of chaos. I would agree <laughs> with that. It's my boy. So hey, yeah, everything's different over here in the server. We actually are we actually opened up our Discord server to the public. Yes. Welcome all ones of you. There's at least ten people in the server now because I'm looking at yes. the number. <laughs> Is that including our bots? No. Maybe. <laughs> no. We have nine bots and one yeah, really, person. Nine. Oh, look, we had a nice discussion going on about cryptids. We sure did. Not much to talk about, guys, other than I'm, like, fucking tired. And just so just so people know, I don't want to get too, too into it, but we are currently recording this as votes are being counted. So we have no idea the kind of chaos that will be alive in, in the world when this comes out. So hopefully we're not all in flames. Yeah. Except for me. I want to be in flames, but that's because I'm smoking. Smoking. Yeah, say it like that. Mm, I wish I, I was Jim Carrey's The Mask. I know. It wasn't bad. Yeah. We're recording this while the votes are being counted, so we don't know. But it's it's hopefully going to be a very peaceful transition, and hopefully nothing bad ever uh, happens. <laughs> hopefully the president, who's about to go on and talk right now, won't tell everybody to, you know, what was it, the standby? But stand. hopefully he won't tell them to, you know, attack anybody who's currently trying to count the votes. Because <laughs> that would be bad. Mm-hmm. Yeah, anyway, um, moving on. Especially since we live in one of those states that is currently not fully counted. Yeah. And might, and we'll probably swing the the other way. Yeah. Yeah. I keep telling people. Uh, Yeah. Anyway, I don't want to talk about politics. Yeah, neither do I. I just wanted to let people know that when we're recording this, I'm going to keep that in. That's good. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Because spooky times are approaching. (laughs) 
And by that, I mean about what we're going to talk about after whatever break Kiki has planned, unless there's other <laughs> things we want to no. talk about before that. There's nothing else going on. <laughs> okay. So then when we get back from Kiki, just take over. <laughs> <laughs> oh, gosh. Okay. So when we get back, we're going to be talking about the Hex Hollow murder. And we also have a promo today for Kudzu Killers. It is a true crime podcast hosted by Kim and Lark, two honest-to-goodness Southern gals discussing compelling tales of Southern-style homicide. So it's uh, murder and sweet tea for everybody. Love it. Like I said, when we get back, Hex Hollow murders. Well, murder, actually, just, just one poor dude. Hey y'all, I'm Kim. And I'm Lark. And we host Kudzu Killers, Homicide and Sweet Tea. Each week we discuss the juicy details of real life murders that happen in the southern U.S., sometimes with inappropriate laughter. But we try to be nice. The stories may be old, cold, or recent. Whatever we find that perks our interest. We download a new episode every Tuesday. You can find us on all the major apps as well as a few minor ones. Apple, Spotify, Stitcher, all the rest. Just drop on by our host page at Buzzfriend com and pick your favorite app to download us on and be sure and listen and be sure to check our blog at kudzukillerspodcast.blogspot.com where we have extra content that was just too much for our little show so y'all come on sit down with us and have a big old glass of sweet tea and enjoy listening to us talk all things murder bye, bye now. y'all welcome back and as Kiki said, we're going to be talking about the Hex House murder today, um, which was a murder in a house that is in the form of a hex. That's what I'm guessing, right? Is that what I did research <laughs> on? Because there are interestingly shaped houses out there. That's what I got. Actually, Oh, it's no. the murder of Hex Houses, which was yeah. a famous house done in medieval times that is no longer uh done and it's all the fault of cord that that's why you can't find them anymore they murdered them all yeah cord did he suplexed <laughs> them i did yeah you to death i don't think i was like alive that long ago you invent time travel in the future hmm i was going for the multiple lives one no, i don't like that Reincarnation. I do like to murder houses. <laughs> so anyway. I'm just wondering how long it's going to take before I'm like, I hate both of you. <laughs> <laughs> like three minutes ago. <laughs> right? It already happened. I just didn't, I just didn't put it in the show. I've already started sighing. <laughs> right? Oh my God. Right? Yeah. yeah. Just, uh, here we go. Once again. Your anger gives me strength. So we have a mutual friend, uh, JC, who I was at work with the other day, and I was telling him that maybe he should go get a CAT scan because something was troubling him. And he just looked right in my eyes and said, I do have a lot of cats. <laughs> <sighs> and I was like, I hate you. Uh, that was horrible. I lived through it, though. I'm here to tell you about it. Oh, goodness. All right. So today's information is going to come from two main sources, and that is a book entitled The Trial of Hex by J. Ross McGinnis, and also the uh, documentary by Shane Free, 
entitled Hex Hollow. I watched that. I want to say I watched that on Amazon Prime. It was free if you had Amazon Prime. Very, very good documentary. I don't know how to read. Do you guys know a little bit about the Slender Man stabbing that happened a few years back? Yes. Yes. This reminds me very much of that scenario, which is just sad that we're repeating history. Imagine that. <laughs> so for those of you that don't know what the Slender Man stabbing was, there were... Somebody stabbed Slender Man. Yeah, they did, yeah. <laughs> Two 12-year-old girls. <laughs> God, fuck. It's even worse because you both are really tired, so JC's just kind of the stupid joke. Yeah. <laughs> and you're just... Yeah. And I don't have the strength to, like... <laughs> you can't climb this mountain today yeah i don't know, like uh, i don't care whatever it's fine <laughs> it's jc's day to make dumbass jokes because i'm not I'm just i just can't that's the spirit yep i've been looking at numbers for two days and i don't understand it feels like halloween was like 14 years ago i've decided that since everybody wants christmas to be november until thanksgiving day me and my household are going to just have another month of Halloween until Thanksgiving. I like that. I'm down with that. Christmas will not take over my no. November. <laughs> right? All right. So the Slender Man stabbing, you've got these two 12-year-old girls, Morgan Geyser and Anissa Weir, and they lure their friend Peyton Lautner into the Wisconsin woods to kill her, thus appeasing this fictional character of Slender Man. And if you're listening to all the testimonies, it sounded like... Anissa had convinced an already emotionally unstable Morgan to help kill Peyton. Because Morgan did the stabbing, she's the one sentenced to 40 years in a mental facility, while Anissa was sentenced to 25 years in a mental facility for being, quote, an accomplice. But it was Anissa who was totally convinced that if she didn't carry out the deed or control Morgan into doing it, the Slender Man would come and murder her whole family. So she thought that she was doing this great thing. Right. She's trying to keep the people that she cared about safe. And she had convinced another person the same thing. The murder of Nelson Raymeyer is very similar. It's a deed carried out in order to save the lives of two men and an entire family. Both cases share the misinterpretation of information and stories that ultimately lead to emotional and physical scarring for one young girl, for example, in the Slender Man case, or for poor Nelson, the brutal and untimely death of a very kind and gentle man. And both deal with the sometimes overbearing power of suggestion that can turn deadly and dark for those who are already on a path of mental instability. Yes. Really sad. And we're going to treat this as kindly as we possibly can because the relatives of Nelson Raymeyer and of the perpetrators of the crime, they still have living relatives in this area. So Get it's going to stick to the facts. So I can't make fun of everything all the time, is what you're Not doing. everybody, no. <laughs> Do you know how much harder this episode just got for me? Yes. A little sensitive. Just a tad. be a little sensitive, bitch. No, that's not, <laughs> that's not me. That's not my job. That's your job. Oh, goodness. This is going to be so much fun. <laughs> First, I'm going to dive a little bit into the magic behind the Ray Meyer murder. And then we're going to discuss the perpetrators and the victims, like I said, as respectfully as possible because they have living family members on all sides. Lastly, we're going to go into the murder itself and 
think it's kind of important in this case we're going to understand the different types of magic that were at work at the time and actually still are there. There are different types of magic currently used by folks here in PA that consider themselves Pennsylvania Deitch or Deitch. Some of you may be familiar with that. We did an episode this time last year that is currently not up there. I'm not sure, I'm not sure what I'm doing with those two episodes on magic. So they're, they'll be back in some form. But we discussed Brockeri and Hexeri. And the very basic understanding of that is white magic and black magic. Brockeri sometimes referred to as powwowing. And in this particular murder, that is what we're going to be calling it, is a combination of heathen magic and Lenape herbalism. And it was used to treat the sick and protect farmland and families. Lenape being the Lene Lenape Indian tribe. Hexeri is the more witchy of the two and used conjuration, talismanic magic, necromancy, mediumship, fortune telling, and spell casting all considered arts of sorcery. It is based on the sixth and seventh books of Moses. And it's interesting to note that this knowledge is usually passed on from man to woman or woman to man so that these two genders are always equal in the knowledge. Hexing involves not only creating a curse, but also having the ability to break that curse. Even today, certain types of witches will note that to know how to curse is to know how to break a curse. So neither one of these paths are inherently evil Hexerai had its place as well as the faith healing of powwow. And it, it still does because we talked about this too. Erglau, which is the modern denomination of heathenry inspired by P.A. Deitch, has Brockerai guilds practicing pagan magic currently. And there's still fancy Dutch practicing Brockerai faith healing alongside Christianity right here in P.A. Interesting. Right here in Pennsylvania. Yeah, the best state I mean, ever. I think top 50 <laughs> for sure. <laughs> God. Yeah. Oh, goodness. Okay. So it is the practice of powwow, though, that's going to lead to the murder of Nelson Raymeyer in what was known then as Raymeyer's Hollow. Later becomes called Hex Hollow. And that happened on November 27th, 1928. So not really that long ago in the grand scheme of things. There are three men who are involved. There's John Blymeyer, who was 33 at the time. John Curry who was only 14, and Wilbert Hess, who was 18. Wait, Hess? <laughs> you and I both know a Hess. I know a couple of them. Kiki knows. She knows. And, and you know, <laughs> it oh, was... I know. Not too long ago that we were discussing something in particular having to do with that person <laughs> possibly being the architect of some sort of crime. <laughs> Which we will rename Nameless. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. Anyway. <laughs> uh, oh, believe me, the whole time that I was listening to this, I was like, mm-hmm. Mm -hmm. Oh, mm-hmm. Really? Okay. Yeah. Uh-huh. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Uh, actually, Wilbert, Wilbert Hess and John Curry, you will find in a few moments, are really sad stories as well. So, so Cord, you do know something about this, though, you said. Yeah, I did some reading a long time ago and discovered it. And I actually, I looked into the powwow magic back then a little bit because I was like really interested in that just to like know what it was and what it was about and stuff. It was actually pretty cool stuff to look into. I did read a good bit of like what happened, at least from one standpoint. I don't know if there's multiple opinions about what happened but 
I read at least one person's uh, side of the story, I guess. That'll, that'll be interesting to see if what matches up with what you've already read, too. So technically, the architect of this crime is going to be John Blymeyer. He was a fellow powwower at one point and someone who had a rather hard life that was made even more difficult due to his mental issues. He suffered from paranoia, delusions, and he had possibly borderline personality disorder based on some of the things that his family had noted in his behaviors. He had been in a mental institute, uh, Harrisburg State Hospital, in 1923, but he was only there for like 45 days before he escaped. Uh, his family thought that he should have been readmitted, but it never happened. Basically, the world was against him, and he was always the victim. Nothing that happened to him was ever his fault. This was basically the attitude that he had. He knew Ray Meyer from a previous work position that they had together. Unfortunately, he had lost two of his three children. The last one who passed away was a daughter who died at birth. And after that happened, his wife left him. He was having difficulty getting work, wandering the streets of York, Pennsylvania with no direction. And his life seemed to be spiraling out of control. So he decided to go to another powwower in Marietta named Ellie Knoll, also known as the River Witch of Marietta. That's a cool title. Yeah, that's a pretty fucking cool title. Yeah, I'm a fan. Headbanger. I mean, I'm at least a fan of the title. I don't know. <laughs> this is where I tell you that Nellie Knoll was an old, old woman at this point. That's not going to stop me. Look, <laughs> oh my God. So Blymeyer approaches her. Goes, you know, he's going out of town basically to go see her. Nellie puts a dollar bill in Blymeyer's hand, removes it, and supposedly this face appears. And she tells him this is the face of Nelson Raymeyer, that Nelson has cursed him. And there seems to be no reason in particular, though, that she chose Raymeyer. In one article that I read, someone had a kind of an interesting take on it, which was powwowers were getting paid money. You went to go see them if you were sick or if you felt like you were cursed, or and even today, this is the truth. So it's very possible that she knew of Nelson Raymeyer and that she saw him as a threat to her own business because so many people went to him. And so she decides that it's Nelson who's doing the cursing. And she tells Blymeyer that he needs to go see him, get a lock of Nelson's hair, that he has to bury that hair eight feet underground, and that he needed to find his book of spells or grimoire and that it should be burned. Now, at this point, that book literally the book is called the long lost friend it was published and people a lot of people powwowers had it a lot of lay people had it he probably you know would write things in there as well like in his own handwriting so this turns into sort of like your grimoire so you have to find that and you have to burn it once those two things are done the curse is going to be broken sounds easy enough adventure started <laughs> <laughs> quest accepted here's the thing nelson raymeyer is this absolutely huge man he's like supposedly over six feet tall he's not wispy by any means he's he's a farmer he's a big dude okay he's about 60 years old when this is happening to him but blymeyer is already thinking that he probably is going to need help because obviously nelson's not just going to be like yeah sure here's a lock of my hair and here's my magic book sure you can burn it sure you can bury my stuff you know he's yeah. gonna do that nobody i would <laughs> But I'm not a very good witch wizard person. Yeah, because I don't think magic's real. <laughs> ah, shut up. Hashtag at me. <laughs> uh, big oof. 
Remember the last time I said I didn't think something was real and I was super aggressive? Wasn't it about like New Jersey? No, New Jersey's definitely not real. I'm talking about puck wedgies. Yeah. Oh. yeah I remember what oh. happened to you last time. Yeah, I do. Good time. I do. Now I'm curious of what happened last time. Uh, we'll talk about it after the show, Corey. It's yeah, that's... Thing. And it's already recorded. <laughs> <laughs> it is. That's, yeah, that is already recorded. You can go back and listen to that. Just this is the one after puck wedgies. <laughs> Follow-ups. <laughs> So Blymeyer decides that he is going to enlist the help of a couple other people. So, so far, Cord, is this like what you have read as well? Uh, yes. Okay. I believe I remember hearing about the uh, the lady having some kind of beef that needed squashing with Mr. Raymeyer. So that, that account seems familiar to me, definitely. But yeah, pretty much. So uh, the first person that he enlists to help him is John Curry. Now, I remember he's 14 years old. He becomes sort of heavily influenced by Blymeyer, who he sees as a friend and a possible father figure. So Curry's had a pretty rough life himself. His father had beaten him so many times that his mother moved away and moved to York, Pennsylvania to get away from the dad. He winds up meeting Blymeyer in a factory where they work together. Each of them goes back and forth telling them their sad tales. Blymeyer convinces Curry that Raymeyer must have also cursed him too. This is why his life is so crappy. He should come help him get the things they need to break the curse sounds logical yeah and it's also sounding a lot like slender man you know like, oh you should come because he'll kill your family too if you don't come help me <laughs> you know mm -hmm. the second person is wilbert hess his family had a farm and i love these where the farm is not doing well and so it must be someone else's fault it couldn't possibly be your farm is bad because you're just a shitty farmer. Look, people have been denying blame for century for thousands of years. Okay, I know you find reasons <laughs> to not I know. consider yourself a shitty person. I'm just yeah. It's just funny that this is like the third time that I've read about my farm. Is well, of course, look at where we are. We're out kind of in farm country anyway. But it's like my farm isn't doing well. It's got to be because I'm cursed. <laughs> maybe maybe you you should. Put the potatoes fully in the ground. <laughs> ah, they grow best on top of the ground. Or maybe there is somebody who has magical powers and really, really doesn't like farmers. Yeah, like all <laughs> of the Native Americans who we stole this land from. Right, yeah, they're <laughs> the ones that actually curse you. Duh. Yeah. Glad uh, I figured that out. I didn't even think of that, but that makes a lot of sense now. Yeah, thanks, Nancy. <laughs> You're welcome. Private eye. It's the only time you'll ever get me saying that something you said makes sense. So, <laughs> enjoy that. Um, so it gets kind of interesting here, though, because Wilbert's family farm is located right next door to Ida Hess's farm. And Ida Hess is a relative. And her farm is doing fantastic. You know, Wilbert's family is like, she must be doing something to us. She must have cursed us. And so when Blymeyer comes up with this whole scheme, he basically winds up convincing them that Ida's probably cursed them, but she's doing it through Raymeyer. That she asked him to put a curse on them as well. Magic's weird, guys. It's almost like yeah. it can just be a thing used to, you know, let's say, as an excuse for your own shitty behavior. No. Not all the time. No. Huh. This one, yes. 
Yes. Well, actually, there's a couple other ones, too. Well, how about how about, well, the old he's a witch, so he must be bad. When the fact is that Raymeyer did nothing but help his community the whole entire time that he was ever a powwower. The whole thing was he liked helping people. I like helping people, too. So much so I'll get to that in a second. But go ahead. No, that's it. That was that was my whole statement. I like helping people, too. <laughs> OK, good. That makes you a witch. <laughs> no, I'm not using magic. I use I use these the guns. And by these guns, I mean my puny arms. <laughs> wow. Uh, also, involving the Hesses gave Blymeyer access to a car. So the three of them could go visit Raymeyer quicker. Little tidbit there. So on November 26th, before the murder, Blymeyer and Curry visit Nelson's wife, Alice. They have a very interesting living arrangement. She's living on a family homestead a little bit away from Nelson's house. There's some people that will say that they were separated or that they were divorced or they didn't get along, but that's not true. They actually were still married. She had basically gotten so tired of him powwowing because it kept her and the children up. They had two kids all hours of the day and night because he was such a wonderful person. He accepted anybody, no matter if they were sick or not. It doesn't matter if it was like nine o'clock at night or two o'clock in the morning. He was like, no, I'm on call. Like I'm a doctor-ish you know, that was the mentality and he needed to help people. So she'd had enough and she's like, I'm inherited this house, the family house. I'm just going to go ahead and live there. It's not far from you. And Nelson would even put his wash out in a little basket and she'd come collect it and wash it for him. So, you know, as I would say, who washes their husband's clothing if you really hate him? You know, no, you don't. She just didn't want, they just had to live in separate houses because she couldn't take him being this Helpy Helperton, like 24-7. <laughs> Thank you. That's what I call my kid when he's getting to. <laughs> like you get, you're getting into everything. He's like, I'm helping. I'm like, no, you're not. <laughs> so they go to visit her first, which is really sort of odd. And they ask her, where is Nelson? And she's like, he's at his house, duh. You know, like, <laughs> he's not here. So they go down to his house, and sure enough, he's there. And he's such a nice person. He invites them in. He knew all three of these people in some way in town. He'd seen them. He knew Blymeyer because they were both powwowers together at one point. And he asked him to stay overnight. It was getting really late. So it's only Curry and Blymeyer at this point. And they realize pretty quickly that there's no way that these two wimpy guys are going to take down this big guy. So that's when they go the next morning to Wilbert Hess and his family and ask him, you know, hey, can you come help us? Because all we have to do is subdue him. If he doesn't give us the stuff, it's three against one, we can subdue him and we'll take it from him and then we'll clear this whole thing up and go home. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Sounds very legal and logical. Yes. <laughs> sure. So the next morning they pick up Wilbert. They go back and... Wasn't Wilbert the name of the pig in Charlotte's Web? Not Wilbert. No, just Wilbert. Oh, Wilbert. Okay, that's right. Yeah. I know. Yeah. Read. <laughs> There we go. And here we are. <laughs> Doing all right. You remembered Wilbur. That's pretty good. I'll give you that. Okay. I'll take it. Take it. So they basically are just like, it's three against one. Just give us a lock of your hair. Give us your spell book. Or, you know, just do it. And of course, he's all like, fuck you. There's no way that you're getting any of this shit from me. Well, Curry picks up a log from the fireplace and hits Nelson over the head. Bring him down to the ground pretty quickly. This is the back of the skull. A fight ensues in which a piece of rope is used to subdue him. It is thought that the combination of the rope and the internal rupture in his skull from the hit led him to die. 
and it seems that the murder was accidental but the moment that they realized that they'd actually killed him they turned immediately to covering up the evidence so you want to talk about you know somebody who's like oh no we just wanted to like tie him up and subdue him and now we've accidentally killed him we should probably call the cops nope their first thought is well at least blymeyer's first thought is let's burn the body and burn the house down so that no one can find out what really happened so they attempt to burn the body that doesn't happen now legend will say that nelson's body refused to burn because god protected him through powell the more likely explanation is that the body was just above the cellar where Nelson kept sacks of potatoes hanging up underneath and that those potatoes kept the body from burning too quickly and also kept the body from dropping down into the basement, which might have caused the spread of the fire. Potatoes have a very high water content, so their presence coupled with not enough accelerant being used actually makes for a decent explanation of why uh, they were unable to burn the body or the house. And since the body did not burn, the police were able to tell that this was no mere accident because, well, he had blunt force trauma Yeah, to the head. That's a pretty easy one. Yeah. I'm not a detective, but I'd say he got hit in the head pretty hard. So what I'm learning from this is that JC will never catch fire because he's mostly potato. Yes. <laughs> I am mostly potato. <laughs> 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 this is why this is why you eat potatoes i love potatoes you eat oh potatoes you become less flammable and just wow that and that, that is some damn fine logic too oh yes damn fine logic <laughs> good job board you figured out my secret now i must tell you jc doesn't even drink he he gets all of his moisture content from just potatoes from just potatoes he just <laughs> just keeps eating them until he's not thirsty anymore so a neighbor finds the body there was a little bit of conjecture someone said that a postal service worker found him but this was actually thanksgiving which sort of makes it even sadder in my book because nobody wants to get murdered on the day when you're supposed to eat all the food that just sucks i mean it sucks anyway but you know especially because of all the potato like products exactly yeah Black Friday, that's the day to murder people. <laughs> for your 36-inch TVs for $20 that will only last for three days. 36 inches. That is very specific. I just made literally all of it up. Are you admitting to something or... No. <laughs> JC, how big is this TV in your apartment? <laughs> <laughs> just asking. Unrelated question. Stop asking these fucking questions, Cord. <laughs> I'm not scared. That might be the most sinister thing I've ever said in my life. Wow. I get yeah, that I he's not scared, but like, <laughs> I scared me. I'm not, I'm not scared. <laughs> I scared me. <laughs> I would not, I would not use honor. See, this is what people don't get. I would not like come up to you and be like, hey, motherfucker, we go to work our beef out. <laughs> I would just go. If you ever use the phrase work our beef out with me, I think we're just going to fight anyway. That's I think we're going to go grilling. I just, yeah, I just had like a picture of like a, a steak, like, you know, doing a triathlon. Yeah. When I said it, my mind immediately went to we're going to we're going to like just start grilling food. OK, so anyway, um, <laughs> went on that tangent. That's great. 
what what's more likely is that the neighbor did find the body uh, because he noticed that the animals were not fed and they were starting to fuss. And of course, Nelson took care of them very well. So he went over to see if everything was okay. And he found a half burned body. So that was very sad. It didn't take long for police to know exactly who their suspects were because two of them had gone to see Nelson's wife the day before. Smart move. And uh, she ID'd them. And then all three of them had also remained in York. And so they were very easy to find. Nobody was running. Two days after the murder, Wilbert Hess confessed to killing Raymeyer and implicated the other two. Now, during the trials, the judge did not want witchcraft mentioned. He wanted to stick to the facts and the hard evidence. <laughs> hard. <sighs> Damn it. They were determined to have the motive set up as a robbery since Nelson had money in the house and the three men had definitely taken all the money because they themselves were trying to make it look like a robbery. Witchcraft ends up being entered into the evidence inadvertently when Wilbert's brother Clayton uses the word witch to describe Raymeyer. So, of course, the papers run with this headlines of witchcraft and basically they're they're poking fun at powwowing. Oh, how could these people be so stupid and backwards? They believe in blah, 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 blah. What's really funny is that powwowing has a lot of faith healing involved and the idea is that the magic is there because god gave it to you and that you're using your power of intent or even some would say the power of prayer is the power of intent to heal people and to help people so the city folk <laughs> city folk not understanding that this was all very much based in a christian religion <laughs> making fun of these people saying that they're backwards and i'm like they all went to church <laughs> Wait, 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 wait. So you're telling me that Christians, who are uh -huh. the most noble people, right? Just straight up <laughs> great people. Like, okay, they sure. were insulting other people based off their beliefs and not and, and their own ignorance of, of other beliefs? Are you implying this right now? Because that's... So what I'm implying is that other Christians who are outside, Auslanders, you know, outside of Pennsylvania Deitch uh, culture, those Christians were making fun of Pennsylvania Deitch Christians <laughs> because they yeah, had yeah. a slightly different. Yeah, I just want to make sure that, yeah, we, we ran that home 100%. Yes, these Christians were attacking other Christians. Yep, absolutely. Yep. Because not even Christians are safe from Christians. <laughs> no, they're not. Oh, they're not, unfortunately. Yikes. So I know you guys are just waiting, chomping at the bit to find out what happened to these three, oof, dare I say, idiots in some cases. But then again, I feel terrible for them as well because they kind of got wrapped up in something. So John Blymeyer was found guilty of first degree murder mm -hmm. and spent time in one of our favorite places, Eastern State Penitentiary. Before leaving the witness stand, Blymeyer said that he thought he did right in killing Nelson, quote, I am no longer bewitched. Now that he is dead, the spell is broken. So, like, did he, was was the curse broken? Did he go on and live a happy life? No, he did not. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say, like, go to jail. <laughs> no, but there's some interesting twists here. So he was released early. He did not serve out his life sentence. He winds up being completely disowned by his family, which is sort of sad because a lot of this was... I feel like it was not his fault. He had a mental issue today. Huh, wow. Um, that's not really going to come out of my mouth because I was going to say today he'd get the help that he needed. But truthfully, he probably wouldn't have gotten the help that he needed either. 
Although I think he would have had maybe a 75% chance of getting better help than he had. Because I still think that we have major problems. And if you go to our sponsor, betterhelp.com, you can get the help you need. I wish. I wish they'd sponsor us. I know. Maybe they will. But I thought that was funny. It was. It actually fit. That was good. Thanks. I did a good. You heard it here on Mission Spooky First, guys. JC's funny. First time ever. Hey. (laughs) (laughs) But true. His family disowns him. They they don't really want anything to do with him. And he spends the rest of his, uh, I say, his working career as a janitor. Sadly, when he does pass away, none of his family want to be his pallbearers. And they have to pull some people off the street to bury him. Could you imagine just like walking to work and, hey, we need you to lift this dead guy. What? Why? Well, his family fucking hates him. That's so sad. Well, of course I'll help. Yeah, he was a murderer. What? Now I don't want to help, but I already committed. <laughs> wow. Uh, what a roller okay. coaster of a day. Right? Emotions running high and low. For the pallbearer. So Wilbur Hess, the only one that got an attorney, his lawyer presented him as the sacrificial lamb chosen to go down to the hollow and help remove the curse. He was there not because he wanted to go, because he was chosen to go. Both of his parents wind up testifying, saying that they too believe that they were cursed, sort of solidifies this idea that Hess was indeed chosen to go. The parents get kind of grilled on the stand too. A lot of people felt that they were extremely irresponsible. Duh. You don't send your kid to go. The thing is, like, I know that they didn't send him to kill him because this was not this was definitely not the plan. You know, all three of them said the same thing. We had no, we were not going to actually kill him. I'm going to backtrack for one second before I tell you what happens to Wilbur because <laughs> this is kind of funny. Police officers who acted like journalists went to go talk to Nellie about this and asked her specifically, did you tell Blymeyer that he needed to kill Nelson? And uh, she, before she caught on to what exactly was happening to her, She did say, uh, I would never tell anyone to hurt anybody. I just told them what they had to do to break the curse. I never said anything about murdering anybody. So I kind of believed the three of the the story that the three of them definitely did not mean to actually murder him. It was just an accident. There was a lot more sympathy for Hess than there will be for even Curry. Each one of these guys is tried separately, by the way. Hess gets convicted of second degree murder and is given 10 years in prison. He serves out his full term all 10 years then we come to poor curry who is 14 and he's seen as someone who just went along for the ride and that he was easily influenced by adults and was very much a kid who was just in the wrong place at the wrong time but curry winds up getting first degree murder and is sentenced to life in prison as well he gets out early too and it turns out he's such a super talented map maker and artist he goes to serve under eisenhower during World War II, and he helps to draw up the plans for the invasion of Normandy. Cool. Crazy, right? What? Uh Uh-huh. He also becomes a very accomplished artist that there are many people in York, Pennsylvania right now that have a painting in their home done by Curry. Kind of want one. I did not know that. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. I love that part of the story that he, you know, he truly had a shitty life. He got beat all the time. He makes this mistake, but it's like he just got wrapped up in it. You know, people talk about when you were 14, like you listened to your elders. You pretty much did what they told you to do. You know, you're not quite your own person yet. 
you're still trying to find yourself. But he wound up doing pretty good, doing right. That's good. That's nice to hear. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So that's what happened to those three guys after. What I do find is interesting, uh, another little aside here. There was the murder of this young girl named Gertrude Rudy. Now, her body is found near railroad tracks a year before the Ray Meyer murder. And this is in York, Pennsylvania. While there was no one ever convicted of the murder, they never found anybody. Many people had seen her and Bly Meyer together. And some people even said that the last person they saw her with was Bly Meyer. So it kind of makes you wonder if how this escalated into killing Ray Meyer. It wasn't that big of a deal for him to make that call because he'd already killed someone else and gotten away with it. Mm. Yeah. Uh, so now you guys know what happened at the, some people call this the Hex House, Hex Murder House, or the Hex Hollow, I think is what it's really known as now. I believe so, yes. So here's the hauntings. Now, of course, right away, everybody wants to say that Nelson's still strolling around on the floors of his old home slash business. A relative did live in the home. In the documentary, you will see that he's this relative of his is living in the house and they preserved the area that was burned on the floor. Where he would have fallen through and they put like that heavy plexiglass over top of it, the kind that you can like walk on to sort of like preserve it and see where he could have fallen down into the, the cellar. There wasn't anything really in particular in this in that story or in the documentary rather that, um, you know, Nelson was still quite, quote unquote, haunting the house. But there is this story and it's kind of my personal favorite. If you throw a stone at the house, the house will throw it back to you. So does the house then say, I'm Robert, you're good. Whatever you say, 60, bounces off me, sticks to you. Is that what happens? Is that the spell? No. Oh, okay. Stop that. Never. <laughs> Stop that. Stop what? That. Talking. <laughs> Just don't. Oh, okay. <laughs> I'll go cry. He's the host. He can't stop talking. Oh, wait. Yeah, that's true. It's not his contract. <laughs> no, it needs to stop. <laughs> Cord, it will never stop. So the legend now is did the house protect Nelson and has it taken on a life of its own. Dun, dun, dun. I want you guys to know that this actually sparks a whole bunch of other hex murders. Oh, oh no. Yeah, it's great. Oh, we're not going to get into those today. But I was really shocked. Yes, um, this this becomes the um, hex panic, and it goes on into you no know, one of them was like nineteen thirty something, where a man. I know this. I know one of them, the one that's like in the thirties. This last name is Betzel, and I remembered it only because one of my ancestors from here is Betzel, and I thought, oh, that's interesting. It's sort of, it's different, but it was like close enough. I was like, oh my gosh, wow, what? So yeah, uh, there turns out there. There begins this hex panic. People are killing other people because they think they've cursed them. And it gets so bad that the state of Pennsylvania, I'm sorry, the Commonwealth of Pennsylvania <laughs> takes certain parts of learning about hexing and et cetera out of schools. Because apparently some of this was then taught in school. As it should be. Yeah, well, as you know, part of your culture and religion, Technically, the Supreme Court outlaws mandatory Bible studies courses in schools in 1963, but they could still teach objectively about religion as opposed to teaching religious indoctrination. So you would teach that as Bible literature instead of, you know, you need to be Catholic. Makes sense. 
Yeah. But Pennsylvania made them stop doing it in the middle of the state where this was happening before 1963 because it was causing so much of a panic and people were getting killed literally there's another one where a young girl was killed as well so we we could talk about those at a later date but yeah it's crazy that's more of a that's more of a kiki's like side mission about murder (laughs) murder just murder that doesn't involve any kind involve any kind of haunting whereas i think this one's kind of cool man i see it's like i want to go there and i want to throw a stone just to see if it comes back at me. Right. Road trip. Then I don't want to throw a stone at a house. Yeah, that'd be rude. Yeah. Especially if the house is alive. <laughs> True. True that. Or it's just a very old house. And again, I'll try to, I always say this, I'll try to put some pictures up for you guys. Uh, I suck at some, sometimes putting pictures up, but I did, I did put up my cemetery photographs from uh, Sleepy Hollow. So yay. Uh, Cord, do you have anything else to add to this this story since you knew about it? No, I mean you covered pretty much everything that I knew. So, good job, you did it. Thank you. You, you definitely covered everything I knew. <laughs> did you know anything at all about like even what we were talking about today? Yeah, I knew there was houses that were in the far shape of a hex. Right, that's what we talked about. Sure. Yeah, cool. You know what? That yeah, that's what we talked about today. That's mm-hmm. <laughs> houses in the shape of hexes. Okay. On that note, our musical guest today <laughs> <laughs> is fucking done. Is born in exile from Spain <laughs> with their song "Ziggurats" from their latest album "Transcendence," which is out now. And you can find "Born in Exile" on YouTube, Spotify, and Bandcamp. They are super cool and also led by another female singer. So it's another really cool metal band with a female singer. I love it. When we get back, we're gonna do Spooky Squad news and shoutouts. The new episode of Mando? Not yet. Oh my god. I haven't watched anything from it. Don't say anything about it. Ever. Yeah. (laughs) Ever. I haven't started watching the show yet because I've been busy watching a fresh Prince of Bel Air. (laughs) Okay. That's that's I'll allow it. And I watched Fiddler on the Roof this weekend. So Well that's a good one. That's good. That's good. I went, oh, Halloween weekend. I should watch some scary movies. I ended up watching Fiddler on the Roof instead. <laughs> Still good. Technically, Halloween was over because it was like four in the morning on the on the first of November. So. 
Halloween was over. It was Fiddler on the Rooftop. <laughs> if I were a rich man. The reason I watched Fiddler on the Roof was because I had that song stuck in my damn head for like a week and a half. For no reason. <laughs> I was like, this song is not going to go away until I watch this movie in its entirety. Because I hadn't watched the movie in like 17 years. And then all of a sudden, randomly, the song was stuck in my head. I'm like, oh, no. No, 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 no. <laughs> I, yeah, I was obsessed with that movie when it first came out. I was a kid, but yeah, I watched it like a million times. I started watching it and about two thirds of the way through realized that the movie was three goddamn hours long. And I was like, <laughs> oh, no, uh, oh, it was like seven in the morning by the time I was done watching it. You're like, I'm in it now. Yeah, it was a very good story. I forgot how good the story was. Uh, yeah. Welcome to our new podcast where we review old musicals. <laughs> What's the title of it, JC? I wouldn't be opposed. Um, I don't know. Movicals. Give me six <laughs> to seven weeks and I'll have, I'll have <laughs> Oh God. Working title. I'll branch off and do Cryptid Corner episodes, and you can just do a whole other podcast where you <laughs> talk about musicals. It's called Old Sickles. Yeah, but I'm not even good about talking about musicals. You're like, I like this song. It was a good song. You're just going to be like, Hamilton slaps, and that's the end. Yo. <laughs> On pod of holding. I was so disappointed. October started off so strong and now I've had people had to cancel on me for some interviews. And so I have to, I have our, actually speaking of reviews, I have our review of The Witch to uh, to edit and get out to you guys, which is going to be over on pod of holding at some point. But started off as a quarantine thing and then we got out of quarantine and now it's just been a pain in the ass. But um, at least your entire October didn't get canceled like mine did. I had a pretty good October. I, don't know, I didn't do anything fun or spooky, but uh, hung out with some friends on Halloween and watched some horror movies, watched Rose Red, and then some classical monsters, the Frankenstein and Bride of Frankenstein, I believe. Yeah. Nice. Oh, boy. I, oh, I just saw some really, really incredibly amazing news. <laughs> what? Nothing. Is it political? Yes. Well, say it. Trump's lead in Georgia is now down to 3,486. Sure is. But they're that's that's going to be a recount state. That is from a that's from a county that was going for Trump. But, you know, these are the the mail-in ballots, you know. Oh, well. It's going to be PA in Nevada that uh, I think swing it for Biden. It only has to be PA or Nevada. Yeah. 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 Nevada or PA. I want it to be PA so bad. His whole comment about bad things happen in Philadelphia. People have made that into a gritty meme like a million times. And I think it's like fucking hysterical. One of the wrestling promoters that I work for posted this thing on Twitter where it was like, Lou Dobbs demands Republicans surround Philadelphia and exert a demanding presence to when somebody responded, sure, Lou, go for it. Philadelphia has a museum that almost entirely consists of deformed fetuses in jars, and that doesn't even crack the top five craziest shit in that city. That's <laughs> the Mutter Museum, bitch. <laughs> Which I had to respond with. I was lambasted by a homeless man outside the Benny Frank for three to four hours straight that I think would be more intimidating than a bunch of Republicans. 
begins. <laughs> and that is a true fucking story. <laughs> true facts. I accord. If you want to join the squad, head on over to patreon.com slash mission spooky. We have tiers at the one, three, and five dollar level. One single buck gets you our undying gratitude, access to our boob or reels, and a shout out on the cast. The three dollar level gets you all of that, plus early access to our tr- true crime side missions. I have another one coming out very soon. So early access for that and then exclusive access to Kiki's Quirks, which is my monthly dive into a topic of like magic, paranormal history, whatever the hell I want, especially topics and places that we've already talked about. And then our $5 level gets you access to our monthly Discord chat, which is a private chat. And um, that can include special guests that have been on the show previously, not only on Mission Spooky, but also on Pod of Holding if they feel like showing up. Feel free to email us any questions or comments or anything about our previous episodes and that is mission spooky podcast all one word at gmail.com you can follow us on twitter and instagram at mission spooky don't forget to rate and review us on itunes and also rate and review us on pod chaser and follow us on youtube i put everything up there on that channel except for our mad libs special that i hope you guys enjoyed because we're going to be doing those occasionally yeah it was a lot of fun right i think cord needs to be on in on the november one Yes, I agree. Sure, yeah. (laughs) I'll do whatever. Our Discord is open to the public, and we have a Reddit, and I think I found our people, because I love to go take photographs of cemeteries, and, well, they like our photographs, so. Nice. Hey. So if you follow us over on Reddit, you will get to see our photographs, too, over there, plus I have some on the Patreon for free. That's always a free thing. Unless you guys have anything else to say... Mm. i'm out of here yeah i think i'm good cord you good okay i'm fine so once again our musical guest taking us out today is born in exile from barcelona spain with their song ziggurat you can find them on youtube spotify and Bandcamp. stay spooky and don't die if you do contact us via hexagram wait hex signs hex signs You know what? Here's a better one. Just throw a stone at JC. And that's how we'll end it.